Welcome everybody to the Dream Lifestyle Podcast. This is a place for motivational learning for ambitious people. In today's conversation, we are talking about how to master your time. Okay, mastering your time. And I have Mr. Strategist, probably one of the best strategists I know, but more importantly than that, he's someone I call a friend. Too I have to Pastor Rashad Shabazz here with me today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for having me. Of course, absolutely. Now, now. I believe you were the best person to have for a topic of mastering your time, uh, simply because I believe, based on conversations, I'm certain that you have had the same type of type of conversations, that people need help with their time management. Mm -hmm. And some know it, and they just don't know how, but others don't know it, and they don't even know what they need to change or what they need to fix, Mm -hmm. right? And you being someone that I know and believe to be I mean, you're very good with your time management. Like, that's just, you don't, there's no way to know you and not know you don't play with your time. So I'd love to hear from you just about how you look at time, how you handle time management and everything like that. Um, just because I believe there are a lot of things that people can take away from it and apply, you know, as opposed to always it being like this high level, your time is your most valuable asset, which is right. true. Right. But I think people need to hear like how they actually apply it. So I'll start with just kicking off the conversation how did you get to a place where you now right, really handle your time the way that you do? Like, how did you get to a place where you handle your time really well? Yeah, I think um, one important concept for me was that viewing time as a resource. And we have the responsibility of managing our resource as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I view time, energy, um, money, and relationships all in the same category. Okay, And so I think viewing it as a resource and then from a leadership standpoint, the most important person I have to manage is myself. And the best way to manage myself is to manage my time, to manage my energy, to manage my relationships. So I think that was a big aha for me is that it's something that can actually be managed well. Um, And... The results I see in my life is honestly based upon how I spend my time. So I actually use the terminology of spending my time. So okay. recognizing I have 168 hours, I'm going to sleep X amount of hours, I'm going to work X amount of hours. How am I going to spend my time? Because if I spend my time well, that'll lead to money, that'll lead to fulfilling relationships, so on and so forth. So it's that spending my time. Um, it's interesting to sit down with people and actually have them because the, the big conversation is, oh, I don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, you have enough time. Maybe the issue is prioritizing what to do with that time. What's, what's great about that, that you point out is the fact that, you know, time I believe is like the true equalizer where like a lot of times people like they compare themselves and they're like, well, you know, they must have all the time in the world because they have all the money or, you know, I, they always say I'm too busy or I don't have any time to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Most of the time, it's the thing that they know they should be doing to improve their life. But it's like, ultimately, I like how you frame it as it's a resource. And because it's a resource and in your answer, you spoke to how you first had to recognize, OK, I take ownership of my time. And I think so often a lot of people are allowing other people and other things to spend their time as opposed to themselves deciding, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my time. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're dealing with, you know, actually saying no. It's where you're dealing with actually creating a schedule and, you know, planning and all that type of stuff. But I think what's, what is so important, especially with what you said, and I like that you brought up leadership, 
into that piece because I think leadership absolutely ties into anyone's ability to manage their time. Mm-hmm. Because again, it just boils down to ownership. It boils down to, okay, I'm accountable for what I do. Now, yes, you can get into the mathematics of I have X amount of hours, I sleep X amount of time. And there's there are so many frameworks. Like I, I know because I study this and I know you you have as well, where it's like, I think everyone has a whole bunch of different frameworks for how they handle their time. Mm-hmm. I've heard Ed Milet's two days in one. Mm-hmm. I've heard the 12 hour work week. I've mm-hmm. heard like everyone has a framework, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately, and you spoke to this, it's like whatever gets you results. Mm-hmm. Like do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even with that, like I look at that even with my life as I've, you know, transitioned now into ministry and entrepreneurship and everything like that, where you have to, and I say this all the time, like look at the results, mm-hmm. like simple and plain. If you're not getting the results you want, mm-hmm. then something has to change. Yeah. And that means either you, and honestly, I shouldn't even say something else, but like you have to change. Yeah. Like how you're viewing your time has to change. Mm-hmm. And so with that, in terms of how someone may view their time, where did you start when it came to, like, cause so you said that you recognize, okay, the things that you had in your life, mm-hmm. that like, where did you kind of start when you were like, okay, I need to take control of my time. I'm the owner of my time. Like what area did you start with that? I think it started with being an aggressive learner. So I didn't like the results I was having with my time. So I um, have always been involved in ministry. I've generally always done something entrepreneurially as well. And then there's also life and family. So there was the wrestle of, I feel called, assigned to do everything that I'm doing but I'm not seeing the right results. So for me, it was settling, okay, I'm doing the right things and this is what God has called me to do. So if I'm doing the right things, then that must mean that I'm doing something else wrong. Mm, And so, um, which deals in the whole personal self-leadership aspect of ownership, accountability. If I don't like the results, what can I do to control the results? Mm -hmm. With with the aggressive learning, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. How did you do that aggressive learning? Yeah, I think it is important to know how you learn. Um, For me, I like information. So it was a blend of going through audiobooks. So I would do, if it were today, I would Google what are the top books on um, time management. If you're looking for accountability, you need to check out the Dream Society. For $20 a month, you can join a community that will give you the support that you need and the accountability that you need to hit your goals every single week. And for $20 a month, it is the best investment that you will ever make in yourself. So I want you to go to dreamsociety.info right now to join, and let's get back to the episode. Or dealing with your time. And then... I'll come across a thought like 50% of what we do is non-conscious. So that means 50% of our, so our habits kind of determine our results as well. Yeah. So that'll lead me to I'm um, doing a research about habits and I'll come across atomic habits um, and things of that sort. Then from there, I'm looking at time. I'm looking at habits. Then I'll probably do something like so good. They can't ignore you, which talks about your career contribution. Um, so I would, I would do research. I will start with time. And then again, I know about time. So everyone's going to tell you in time, the most important thing is how you start your day. Yep. hundred percent. So then I'll take that concept and, and I've actually done a version of this because the other idea in being an aggressive learner is 
you never stop learning. Mm -hmm. So there's a version of this that I learned. um, And as being a pastor, an entrepreneur, and a, a husband, uncle, you know, all those kind of things. And then now that I enter into this new season, I'm revisiting old ideas. But now it's a completely different context. Yeah. So for me, I'm now revisiting a morning routine. And now that my new responsibility has me in the office for 45 hours, how do I still have the same productivity as when I didn't have to be in the office? Recognizing that sometimes you don't need new information. You just need to know how to apply what you already know. That's good. So it would lead me to a morning routine. Mm-hmm. And you have the miracle morning which gives you the concept of savers, that you start off with silence, then you do affirmation, then you do visualization, then you exercise, and then you read, and then describe, or you write. Yeah, journaling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then, but then also you can look at um, the perfect day formula, which has a similar version, but they're all telling you in the morning, you need time with God or silence, meditation, mm-hmm. whatever. You need to control the language. That's good. So affirmation. So like, mm-hmm. what am I thinking about? What am I saying about myself? The whole idea of visualization for a believer is what am I seeing? So for me, I pray through my day. Mm-hmm. So I know I got this meeting, that meeting. This meeting's going to be great. I, I want to close a deal. Uh, or if it's a business, I pray about that. If it's a tough conversation, if it's an encouraging conversation, actually praying through it, which then helps me spiritually. Because a lot of times the anxiety of decisions happens because we, I live, this kind of off topic, but I live by the mantra of um, expect the best, but prepare for the worst. I agree with that. So if I've prayed through what's going to happen in my day, when I'm in the moment, the emotions have already been dealt with. Yes. So because the emotions have been dealt with, it's easier for me to discern what's the right thing for me. Um, exercise, which deals with health reading which deals with with education so i've read enough books even something like atomic habits talks about your morning routine Mm -hmm. so now that i have the information i then go through the process of what's applicable for rashad yeah and so i think it's this understanding then application then is it actually working yeah so that's the way i approach it get the information look at context because what works for me may not work for you. Right. Right. I'm, I've been married for nine years. You're about to get married. Yeah. Right. Um, but now I have an hour commute. So what I do with that hour, am I doing telephone calls? Like, you know, you got to find context. Right, you got to find so, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that learn, apply, does it work? Because um, sometimes we do learn and apply and we feel like we got to get it right. So then we change tactics because it's not working. And it's like, no, you just didn't give it enough time to see if it works for you. Agreed. And I think a lot of people, they miss that part of it. Like, because anyone can do the thing, but ultimately, like, if it doesn't get your result, you have to change. You have to find what works for you. Like, I know for me, I'm just now actually trying to journal in the morning, which I'm still kind of like, eh, like, mm-hmm. I'm still in that testing mm-hmm. phase to see if this is even my mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But, and more so, and for me, it's not even necessarily journaling because to add this, the spiritual aspect of it, because... I believe there's a difference between like journaling and just writing down my thoughts. It's just what's in my brain mm-hmm. versus I'm writing down something that God is telling me, writing down, you know, thoughts of a scripture that God showed me. Like I kind of 
those are separate to mm-hmm. me. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm journaling like based on what I'm reading in the Bible, mm-hmm. based on whatever God's mm-hmm. telling me. So it's not like I'm just like, oh, I feel this today. Like mm-hmm. that's not really where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. But I know that for me, sitting down and journaling like my thoughts, that's not really going to do anything for me. At least currently today, based on results I'm seeing, mm-hmm. I have no reason to try that out. But I love that you brought up the morning routine just because I believe everyone should have some level of morning routine. And I think it's hilarious that there are some people that they they don't want to wake up early, but even like what they define as early, sometimes it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like you'll ask somebody like, hey, you know, uh, let's do something in the morning. All right, what time? Uh, how's 9 a.m.? Oh, that's, that's early. Nine is nine is early? Like I, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. especially if like, if you're not around as many people that are up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So like, you're kind of like, am I wrong mm-hmm. for saying 9 a.m.? Like, okay, because like I'm up and like I'm in like, the middle of my day and it's 9 a.m., right. right? Right. But I think that's, I mean, that's a whole topic in itself in terms of like people actually waking up and actually giving yourself more time because right. sure, you need eight hours of sleep, but that also doesn't mean you need to be sleeping till like 10 a.m. Well, typically <laughs> the issue is not getting up early, it's going to bed early. Talk about it. So to, if I'm talking to somebody, I would just ask them, how bad do you want it? So we're currently um, in church in a season of 21 days of prayer. Mm-hmm. So it requires us to be at the church at 6 a.m. I currently live an hour away. So I was up this morning at 4.15. Mm-hmm. Get a 30-minute workout in, shower real quick, in the car by 5, right? So someone was asking me, like, like how do you do that? And I said, it's all about what do you want? So the person was single. I said, if there was an attractive woman who you wanted to get to know, and she said, meet me at 6 a.m. for an hour, yeah, <laughs> but it's an hour drive, you're going to make right. that you're, sacrifice. You're going to make it happen. So I think part of it is, do you have a big enough why that makes it worth going to bed early? I don't think even to add on to that, do you have a big enough why that would cause you to get out of your own way? Mm-hmm. Or along the same line, and I was going to say this earlier, is it causes you to be uncomfortable. Change requires being uncomfortable. 100%. And so in the process, I have to be okay being uncomfortable. And if I'm not okay with being uncomfortable, then it will always get in the way of my growth. Mm-hmm. Think about it. To become stronger, you have to be uncomfortable. Absolutely. And you got to be sore. You got to, you know, do more, put on more weight, everything like that. If you actually want to get stronger, if you want to learn more, you got to find new mediums to learn. You got to mm-hmm. read more. You got like there you, There always has to be more, mm-hmm. whatever it is. If you want to grow your business, you're going to have to do more. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to deliver more, whether it's a product, a service, mm-hmm. whatever. If you want to like it's just more. And I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. what is I think what gets missed a lot from people, at least what frustrates me when I see people where it's like there are a lot of people that want more. Mm-hmm. They want it, mm-hmm. but they never are willing to do what it takes to get it. And for me, and maybe this is just my own thing, but I'm like, so then don't say that you want it. Like you don't like you're you're saying one thing, but you're doing another. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think um, that's good, and I think I think it's two sides of the spectrum. Some folks try to do too much at one time, mm. and then I think some people have this i this idea of what it's going to look like, and when it doesn't look like that, they don't actually do it. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of people who are like, I'm going to start working out. 
So I'm going to do 1,500 calories. I'm going to sleep eight hours a day. Yeah. And then I'm going to, you know, go to the gym twice a day. It's like you ain't worked out in two years. Right. Why about you just get up and go for a walk? <laughs> right. Right. There's low a book, low. There's a book, The Compound Effect, which talks about doing small things consistently over time will get you the results that you want. Agreed. So I think for a lot of people, where are you right now? If I was talking to somebody, I'd be like, where are you right now? Where do you want to be? What's one step you can take and commit to? Yeah. And commit. I think what you, and that's a, like the commitment piece. So it's, it's better for you to take one step, commit to it. And for people with time, I would say, just track your time. Yeah. But they just, just, they'll, they'll just, say they don't have enough time to even do that. Just, <laughs> just track your time. Yeah. Which, which gets to the why though. Mm-hmm. Right. It does. So, so for example, I am, um, in this new season, I've adjusted my sleep schedule. I, like I've made some, some drastic changes, and I can say because I want to still hit my goals financially. I can say it's because I want to be efficient and feel better. But like when I say a big enough why, it's my wife and I don't have kids yet, mm-hmm. so I want to see my grandkids. That's good, and I want to see them be adults. So that means I need to live another 40 to 50 years. Instead of waiting until there's a disease, instead of waiting until some, something happens, how about I make the necessary changes now? Mm. So that's the why behind me getting up at 4.30 and working out even though I don't want to and yeah. not just roll out the bed and just drive the prayer. Or that's the why behind me saying, no, I'm not going to eat dessert all the time, right? So it's it's finding that why because for me – like that's what it is now. Before it was, I want to pay off student student loan. Yeah. Or I don't want. I feel called to work in a profession, but I don't want a a paycheck to define me. Yeah. So I think in every season it looks different, and I have to find that thing that's worth being uncomfortable for, because your comfort level will always be your ceiling. As you were talking, it made me think about how really with everything that we talked about. It's the importance of really blocking out time in your day, the morning mm-hmm. routine, mm-hmm. but then also having vision of whatever forward looks like, mm-hmm. whatever the future looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think I think for most people that struggle with trying to find their why, I think it might not their why might not necessarily be in their present. It might mm-hmm. not. I think the easiest place for anyone to find their why is future. Mm-hmm. So like how you said, you know that your biggest why is you want to be there, mm-hmm. right? You want to be alive. So, you know, you need to be alive for another 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that helps you design your today. Mm-hmm. And you're only able to do that because you take the time to self-reflect mm-hmm. and think about, okay, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And even bigger than that, right? Like just on a spiritual level, of course, this is what God wants me to do. This is where, where God is leading me to go. But also this is where he says I can go. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a really cool tension between what God tells us to do, mm-hmm. but he also gives us the freedom to be ambitious mm-hmm. and say, well, you can have whatever mm-hmm. it is. And like, again, it's, it's funny with this topic of time management, just because these are the types of things that in terms of future, we will hoop and holler at church about the blessings mm-hmm. and the prosperity and things like that. But when it actually comes time to actually map it out and execute on it and commit, like we said, there's a large population of people that basically fall back into bad habits. Mm-hmm. And I think even you can go back to when we talked about the habits piece, you know, everyone has habits. 
Because there are some people that are like, oh, well, no, I don't have any like habits. I don't have, and it's like, no, you have habits. They're just bad. Like you just have bad habits. And that means that you can change them. Or you haven't taken the time to even figure out what your habits are. Can I hit a couple hot things real quick? Absolutely. Number one, every Christian should be taking a Sabbath. Talk about it. You taught me that. You taught me that. I was like, like <laughs> you, you, you cannot yeah. ask God to bless what you're doing, but not do it the way God is commissioned or ordained it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go into preaching, but let's just talk about where Sabbath came from. The children of Israel have been slaves for over 300, 400 years. Mm-hmm. They came out and one of the first things that God instituted is the fourth commandment. Do you know what you want to accomplish in the new year, whether it be personally or professionally? If you're trying to figure it out, I'm encouraging you to get your ticket to the Dreamer Symposium. This is going to be your space to get really clear on what you want to do, where you are, and you're going to leave with a practical success strategy. And there's going to be an accountability system for the entire year to make sure that you complete it so that way you elevate your life. All you have to do to get your ticket is go to dreamersymposium.com right now so you can register. I want you to be there because I want you to level up. I want you to go to the next level in your life. I want you to level up in your finances, level up in your personal life, level up in your professional life, level up your overall level of being. And you have to go to the Dreamer Symposium to do that. So go to dreamersymposium.com, get your ticket. Now let's get back to the episode. So the first couple of commandments is about honoring God. Mm -hmm. The next one is about a Sabbath. And the whole premise behind a Sabbath is up until this point, your value and your worth was based upon what you could produce. As a slave, it's purely based upon what you could produce. So the slave master is driving you seven days a week. God is saying, now that you are my son and daughter, you have relational equity with me. You're the righteousness. You're not defined by what you do. You're defined by who you are. Yeah. And the way I want you to show that, or another way to put it is, I love you so much, I'm going to give you a day off. That's good. But the basic principle is, I do six days, and I trust God with the results for six days. And God can do more with my six days than I can do with my full seven. Yeah. So that's the first part. Just starting off, it needs to be a Sabbath. And listen, I've heard all the stuff. Okay, cool. First, just settle that it's scriptural. Facts. I had to listen. You know, you know my story. This is I was is I'm so you are the reason why I even take a Sabbath now, just because I was look, plenty of stuff to do. I need all seven days. The Lord got me, whatever. And I started reading um Genesis one where I looked at just what he the creation story. Mm-hmm. And I was just started thinking, I was like, all right. And again, back to what we're talking about about how the results. Mm-hmm. And I was getting some results, but I was like, I'm working so hard. Mm-hmm. There should be more. Like, mm-hmm. it's like something. So, you know, I'm look, studying the creation story and I'm like, all right, God did all of this in six days and he rested. And there's plenty of other examples throughout the Bible of people who took rest days and stuff. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe there's got to be something to this. <laughs> there's got to be something to this whole rest thing. Cause mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I experimented with it where I was like, all right, Saturday would be my rest day. Mm-hmm. Saturday ain't work. I was like, maybe I maybe got one good Saturday mm-hmm. off. And I was like, you know what? All right, I still want to try this Sabbath thing. Mm-hmm. So I made a smack dab of Wednesday. I was mm-hmm. like, Wednesday's my day off. Count me out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the store. I'm getting my snacks. I'm mm-hmm. watching TV mm-hmm. all day. Leave me alone. And my other days, literally, like my pro- productivity like shot up and I started getting way better results just because I know, you know, Wednesday's coming. Wednesday is on the way. 
so I can, you know, power through this one mm-hmm. more meeting, couple mm-hmm. more sales call, mm-hmm. cold calls, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. Wednesday is going to come and I don't have to worry about any of this. And, you know, just to your like, I'm a real live example <laughs> of why having a Sabbath can work. And for those of you that are like, well, what does it actually get you? I've made a lot of money because I took a day off. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's two things. You just modeled what I said earlier. You, you learned, right? So we had a conversation, you studied it, you then tried it, then you saw it wasn't working, so you adjusted it. Yes. Um, the other spiritual reason, or the other point to making what you just said, God worked for six days and he rested, not because he was tired, but because what he did was good. Yeah. So even the idea of, being proud of the work that I did for six days. That's true. Now you got to do good work though. You know, you, that, that, you got to do good that, work. We got to say that. Cause sometimes people will be like, well, I, I clocked in. Well, it, it, <laughs> it forces you to do better work It does because your best papers are your shortest papers. Yes. Because it's like, I only got a thousand words, so I can't ramble. Right. So to know, I only have six days. Mm-hmm. It forces me to know, what to say yes to, what to say no to, which leads me to my other quick thing. A lot of people don't know what to say no to. So I say yes to things of lesser value. Hence, I work 70 hours, even though scientifically it's been proven their productivity goes down at 50 hours. Yeah. I say yes to more hours, but I say no to my family. I say yes to more hours, but I say no to working out. Or somebody comes to me and asks me to do something because they know I'm not going to tell them no. And so I'm advancing everybody else. I'm building everybody else's thing. Yeah. But I haven't taken the time to say what's needed for me. So Sabbath. It's needed. What I had to learn about the Sabbath is it's really about trusting God and it's really about how do I view myself. I don't know. It's one of those things... I would honestly put Sabbath in like the same bucket as like tithing, where it's like you just don't know how, but it's not really like some things. I'm not one of those Christians that's like, I need to know why to everything. I really don't. Like, you know what, God, I just trust you. Like, you you know what you're doing, right? And that's what it is. It is. You just said the word. It's trust. It is. It's, it's ultimate trust. But to your point with everything that we said to kind of sum it all up, though, it's taking the Sabbath. Mm-hmm establishing habits that are life-giving, mm-hmm. establishing habits that actually get the results that we want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also making sure that the work that we do within the six days is good. Mm-hmm. It's good work. So that way, I don't even want to say we earn the Sabbath, but you know, you're just basically proud of what mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. within that time. And then you should see different results, which ultimately should lead to a better life. Mm-hmm. And you're able to basically tweak and change and maneuver how necessary mm-hmm. throughout all of that can i give a couple more quick tips and then we can wrap it up absolutely also don't try to do too much mm-hmm. um so there's several books which talk about you really shouldn't have more than three main priorities good. in any given day and if you start your day if your day is only four hours then just have one thing but for the person who works eight hours a day and you're building something on the side. You can't have three priorities for your eight-hour job and then have three priorities for your side gig. Right. So it's roughly one thing per three hours. And it's better to get one thing done that's the most important thing every day than to go up and down. Yes. Uh, John Maxwell said, I believe, most people 
overestimate what they can do in a week and underestimate what they can do in a lifetime. That's good. So don't overpack your schedule. Yeah. I think the other thing is intentionally schedule, and you don't get mad at me with this, you know, but intentionally schedule play. Yeah. Intentionally schedule <laughs> time. Like, what do I do with my time off? Mm-hmm. Because again, if I'm working hard and I'm off, but I'm not really off or it doesn't refresh me, then I go back to work and I'm not refreshed. So with this Sabbath thing, the reason a five-day work week works is because there's one day that I'm off that's truly God's. The purpose of a Sabbath is what's refreshing and what's worship. So don't be working what's refreshing, what's worship. But then the other day, I do the work that I don't get paid for. Um, so I think, let me see, anything else time-wise? And then no, it's seasonal. Yeah. What your time important. looks like in different seasons look different, right? When I'm dating, it's different. When I'm engaged, it's different. When I'm married, it's different. When my kids are newborn, it's different. When empty nesters is different. When I start a new job. So I think it can't be static. And to bring it all the way back in, that's why I look at how I'm spending my time. Yes. Because if I look at how I'm spending it, I can adjust it based upon the season. So like money, I start with what are the most important things. So and this is my clothes. Y'all know, you know, I'm a little preacher, so I give you like three clothes. But here's the clothes. Every pastor got three clothes. Here, here you go. So with your time, <laughs> you do it based upon priority. So the first thing I schedule is my time with God. The next thing I schedule is my time with my wife. I'm taking notes. Then I figure out what does Rashad need, mm-hmm. right? And I do my wife before Rashad because my wife doesn't need a lot. We do a date night every week, and we got about 30 minutes to an hour where it's just undivided time with us. So because that's a priority, I figure that out first. Mm-hmm. Because Rashad, I can, I can adjust what I need. But I know, to me, those are my two most important relationships. Then from there, I'm looking at my work. I like that. And then I'm looking at my relationships. Mm-hmm. And so based upon that, so I'm not scheduling out all 168 hours because life happens. Somebody called you. I ended up at a hospital this morning because someone got into an accident or there was a work meeting. I'm about to leave and someone's like, oh, this is going to happen. Today, there was a spiritual situation. So, mm-hmm. so stuff comes up. So I can't schedule it all out. Hear me. Schedule the most important things. Yeah. In light of that, my time with God is an hour a day. My time with my wife is like an hour a day and then one date night. And then my time with myself really is filled up in these two. And then I just have time that I go to the gym. But outside of that, it's wrapped up with my time with God. That's my morning routine. That's my hack. That's good. My morning routine is my time with God and my time with myself. Yes. Then after that, it's 40 hours a week of work. If I do extra 10 hours a week, then I have all this time that if this is right, it doesn't matter if I watch Netflix or watch basketball because I've dealt with the most important things. Yeah. And I think that to your point earlier, it just helps with completion. Like it helps with finishing things a hundred percent to completion as opposed to finishing them to a good point where it's like, look with the work, because I've hit the most important things to completion and this stuff is scheduled out minimally. I only have one, two things that just have to get done. Like complete those two tasks I've taken a step towards the ultimate future that I want. And now I'm at a point in my life where I could buy my time back. That's hard. So, I'm trying to get there. so I have a virtual assistant. 
yeah. that will handle administrative things for me. Yeah. That even in my new role, while there's someone who helps me at my job, I have a personal assistant yeah. to where I'm like, hey, I need to take care of this personally. Mm-hmm. And what I pay you is a fraction of what my time is worth. Right. That's good. That's hard. That's a bar. Listen, we're going to end on that point. Listen, I hope that you guys enjoyed that. I'm not even going to get into how much of a flex that was because he just gave me something to aspire to. So check back in in about 365, maybe even two years, and I'll revisit that one. I'm going to let you slide with that one. But I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation. Take something away from this. Please apply this. Start with a morning routine. Figure out your why, whatever it is. But make sure you apply and take action. Uh, based on the information that you heard. Uh, If you guys haven't already, you guys know about the Dreamer Symposium that's happening December 16th. And that's basically your space to really get clear on what you want to accomplish in 2024. So basically turning your ambition into action. And I want you there. Uh, It's basically in the DC area, December 16th. The link is in the description below. I appreciate you guys so much. Listen, as you prepare for next week's episode, check out last week's episode. And always remember, your dream is possible as long as you're willing to work for it. See you guys next week.